So a great friend to us and a great friend to you all that he comes on our show all the time, Dr. Sherwood. He's been on our show left, right, and center. Uh, we bring him on uh, to talk about especially medical stuff. Uh, he is a naturopath. He is a naturopathic doctor, so you're aware. Um, and he gives us a lot of great info and a lot of great stuff that will help you in your life so you feel better, not only about your mental well, not only about your physical well-being, but your mental well-being as well. And, and don't forget about your spiritual well-being. Absolutely. Because they've got the Functional Medical Institute in Tulsa, he and his wife. His wife is an allopathic doctor, so uh, he's the naturopath. She's more the traditional doctor. Between the two of them, they focus on your overall health because it's great to treat your physical body, but if you're not healthy mentally and you're not healthy spiritually, then you're not truly healthy. So... Go to Sherwood.tv forward slash Patriot Party and you're going to get his free ebook and you're going to save up to 10% on any order of the supplements that are he supplies there. Go there, check it out. Uh, Dr. Sherwood, again, he's a great friend to our show. He's been with us uh, for a long time now. We've brought him on. He's been on a bunch of our shows. Yeah, if you haven't listened Dr. to him Sherwood. speak, come on here. Listen to one of our old shows. You can listen to Dr. Sherwood. He will tell you all about the the, the stuff you're getting. You can also get uh, uh, DNA uh Genetic testing. Genetic testing. Yep, at his clinic yep. in Tulsa. And they do that all, they, it doesn't go to China. So you don't have to worry about your DNA going to China. You don't have to worry about anybody supporting Chinese Wuhan lab crap, lab leak crap. Just check it out. Dr. Sherwood dot, dot TV forward slash Patriot Party. And you're going to get his free ebook and you're going to save up to 10% on anything you get there. So folks go there today, give it a shot. I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you.
Welcome back to the Patriot Party Podcast. I am the Mick, and with me, of course, is my much better beloved, better half. Hey, Lynn. Hello, Patriots. So uh, we are back, and uh, we got a special guest today. Obviously, it is uh, been a Our returning champion. Yes, he is the one that always comes in and wins at the top. Um, he always destroys the, the competition, so to speak. <laughs> uh, Dr. Mark Sherwood is with us, of course. And uh, as you can see, this is going to be a political one. So how goes the campaign, sir? Well, hold on. Before, before we get into politics, oh. real quick, I just want to touch on a couple things um, because I do, I do want to oh, do okay. a political episode here but i i want to say um a couple things have come to light in the past couple of weeks things that we spoke about two months ago and three months ago um rapid onset cancer uh you know coming to the forefront with people that have gotten the jab and now they're finding hiv in the jabs and uh luke montagnier um may he rest in peace, came out and said, if you've gotten your booster, you should go get tested for HIV. And then he died. Um, there's no, no, uh, n nothing, nothing hinky there. Anyway, nothing at all. No, nothing at all. But, uh, so, you know, I, I hate, I hate when we win doc. I really do because, uh, it's just, you know, but I feel like we're so often in front of the news cycle and the things that we talk about are are so important and have such impact on people's lives. And I I wish that uh, I wish more people would pick them up more quickly because um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we're a little psychic here. So um, well, I think what you're talking about is just common sense. And and I by the way, it's good to be back with you guys, Mick and B Land. Just really love you guys very much, and I'm super honored to be here. And I, I look forward to our times together. But, you know, as you mentioned um, in those situations, tragedy, 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 um, no excuse because it could have been avoided. And I think that's what's very sad about it. And I, I I suspect it will continue. You know, there will be more and more cases of this human immunodeficiency virus, this HIV that will happen and it will lead to this idea of AIDS. It will. And uh, that's going to be tragic because we're going to, be pushing vaccines out for that as well. That will be the next step. And then eventually, this is what's going to happen. And people can hang on to these facts right now. The, the agenda-driven, 
suffocating socialistic mob that has been pushing this narrative for so long is going to come out and say eventually, well, we never forced anybody to do it. It's been your choice all along. That's, that's going to be how they're going to back out of this. And uh, let us never forget uh, what has happened. History is always the greatest teacher. And the greatest lessons we learn in life is from this thing called pain. Mm-hmm. We've been through a lot of history and a lot of pain at this point over the last, you know, really 23 months. So I just pray that, you know, God's wisdom will prevail and that people will begin to see things as they are to uncover truth and discern lies that have always been lies from truth and begin to make the right call and the right decision. And, you know, God help us all. I pray that he'll have mercy on people and some people that have been shamed into taking vaccines out there and now have regret. They're living in fear. My prayer and hope is that, you know, God will rescue all of us and we won't die one day quicker than we're supposed to. Well, you, you know, Amen to that. you said, I mean, I, I know you hate to, I, I know you're not going to want this at all, but it is kind of a W in your corner, something that you have been saying, preaching about things you have been talking about, telling the general public about. And do you get the same? And I get really annoyed. Like, for instance, they just came out. I, I was listening to Fox News this morning. And I almost wanted to go punch myself in the forehead over and over again repeatedly because they came out with all this stuff. They were saying, oh, this is a travesty that the Clinton campaign was spying on Trump. Um, if you had read the documents, if you had read everything that had come out before, this is not something new. This has actually been going on for a hot minute. Um, I We've been watching this case develop very, very close, very closely. And it was just something that I said, we said it probably about a month ago. I said, you watch, he will charge him for this. You watch, why will he? And you ask me all the time, why will he charge him? I said, look at the, the mountain of evidence that he has and the reason he's going to charge this one individual because he knows he's going to flip. Yeah. And this is, it gets me so annoyed when Fox News goes out there and says, well, we're the only ones reporting on this. No, no, you're not. Alternative there, media has been reporting on this for, for a months. year. We've yeah. been talking oh, yeah. this. We've been talking about the stuff that, um, God, I can't remember his name right now, the, the lawyer. Um, the what? one that's doing the special investigation into Durham. Durham. Durham put out a whole like packet of papers almost a month ago. If you actually read those, this is in there. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, how are you the only, why do you keep saying we're the only ones reporting this? It kind of goes back kind of like that for you in the medical field where you're, you have been talking about this vaccine, AIDS, HIV. We just found out the other day that they're testing MRNA sequenced AIDS vaccines. Yeah. HIV vaccines. Of course. There you go. Under Fauci's guys, under his, Hey, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to lead this. He's also the guy that screwed up AIDS from day one. Why would, when somebody fails, do you offer them? I mean, I, I understand turning the other cheek and everything. However, how many failures does it take before you finally say, no, nah, dude, um, nah. ask any. Well, I look at this, you know, I look at this way back when, you know, and you're right, Mick, we have been beating this dead horse for a long, long time. We've, my wife and I have been on that bandwagon about natural immunity and it's better and it's always been better. This is no brainer stuff. And what are we doing? We're being lied to. The pandemic is really fear. Turn that off. Uh, we've talked about this over and over again. And honestly, I'm not knocking the individual person, President Trump at the time, but 
Dr. Fauci should have been terminated from that position long, long ago. You know, he, he should have never been there. And the first time I heard that man speak, and I'm not talking, I want him to know Jesus. Let me just make that clear. I do. I really want Dr. Anthony Fauci to not go to hell when he dies. I hope people understand that. Having said that, the very first time I heard that man speak, I sensed evil. I sensed evil. It didn't feel right. I looked at my wife one day and I said, something's not right there. Something's not right with that man. There is evil there. And I didn't. I didn't say that lightly because you don't want to say that over just anybody. But this is a person that was leading a narrative. It was put in charge of leading people, in charge of um, talking us through a potential pandemic. But at the same time, I got to tell you, um, I didn't sense there was a pandemic. I felt like this was a self-created thing to create a self-appointed endgame, you know, which was to get Donald Trump out of the White House, create agendas-driven distraction the whole bit. And along the way, people died. Inexcusable, unacceptable. I, I just... I, terrific. I get frustrated about it. I mean, I, I, I'm sure more people do. I just wonder, um, man, I just, I can't wait till we finally get some people in office that actually can stop all of this, bring it all back, uh, start us back over. I don't know if you restart the wheel rolling down the hill, or if you just say, all right, we're going to kind of pick up from where we left off. I mean, we can't obviously erase four years. Um, this is going to be a tough, we have three more tough, really, as far as I, I can see, three more really tough years, especially politically. And um, well, I don't know. Hillary Clinton said if she got indicted, she was going to take half of D.C. with her. I said challenges. Oh, OK, can, can you take three quarters? Take take them all. Well, here's here's one thing we got to think about with this. I believe this fourth branch, this mysterious branch of government has been around for a long, long time. You know, it's been operating. um Independent. You you heard James Comey. Remember that guy when he was uh -huh. testifying before Congress? He said something very unique. He he didn't tell you know the president because of the sensitivity of the matter. Now let's think about that for a moment. That branch of this branch of government is supposed to operate under the executive branch, so the executive officers should have known what's going on. I mean that's a, just a a simple little observational clue to really the the notorious nature of this. And eventually, you know, what I see happening, and this is just, again, not always what I hope, and I don't look for those times for people to say, you were right. The depth from which the federal government has stooped, the depth at which they've fallen is equivalent to kneeling and down and bowing, bowing towards Satan. It's that evil. It's that evil. It's that hateful and that heinous, and it should have been stopped. What I see happening eventually is there will be a few people elected within the federal government that will make some difference, and it will knit, it will notch away um, increased influence over time. But the increased influence over time, Mick and Belim, is going to tie back to the states. The stronger the states can become in standing up for the Tenth Amendment, and truly becoming sovereign in themselves, maintaining the power which with, with which the Founding Fathers envisioned and put into place to protect the states from being influenced by this overreaching federal government. At that point in time, when these states rise up, and there are going to be several of them, and then the senators and congressmen from those states, they're going to represent those states. 
that is the key to the reestablishment of the Republic the way it's supposed to be. And that's what I see happening in the future. Don't know time frame, but I do see that being becoming very apparent within the next two years. You know, that's that brings another question to, to the forefront, because to be quite honest, Doc, I, I don't know that we're going to make it another three years. I know. The state that we're in right now, it's it's um, it gets worse every day. And, and they're they they trim a little bit more off the Constitution every single day. Yep. And, um, you know, this this blew me away. This came out in NPR, um, I believe, on Saturday as part of a, a larger article. Um, but they said uh, from NPR constitutionalism in quotes is a far right ideology. That means in essence that people don't have to recognize any laws or authorities that they don't like beyond the constitution itself. Well, obviously that's a play on words, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's like, you know, the interesting thing is these um, wordsmiths are playing games. They really are. It's, you know, you can manipulate people. And if you don't, it's like the Bible. If you really don't know the Bible well, then the devil who knows the Bible really well will trip you up with the Bible. And that's kind of how we're living right here. If you don't know the Constitution well, then people that know the Constitution well, but have other motives, will be able to trip you up with the Constitution. So we need to know our stuff. And we need to really, um, it's very important for everyone to elect statesmen, persons of integrity and persons of knowledge and persons that are going to take the constitution at its face value and understand the intent of our founding fathers, put them in office. And those are going to be representative of the kind of thing that we want to have, the kind of thing that we should have, and that we should have never lost. And that's the key to regaining it because it's not going to be given back. I mean, we're crazy if we think that they're going to say, okay, time out, we were wrong. You know what? They're not going to say they're sorry. They're not going to say they were wrong. It's not going to happen. And Absolutely. that saddens me, but that is reality, I believe. And, and well, you know, and- I we always do this, and sometimes I hate it because um, we've got somebody like you who is well. Uh, I would have to say you're probably just as good as me versed in it. But we always do this. We always talk about like these amendments, and then we never, ever, ever. And I'm going to try to. Um, let me see. I'm going to try to bring this up real quick because I think we should, I, I, I don't think, I don't know how people, um, too many people don't learn the constitution yeah. in school because constitution day is during the summer. So yeah. they don't bother to teach it during the school year. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> that's, trying to figure out actually I, when, when we were in, I think it was Tampa. I was speaking with a lady who, um, was, uh, they, they actually bring co- copies of the constitution to eighth grade classes, uh, throughout the country. And I was like, well, you know, don't, don't these kids, I mean, that's a great thing, but don't these kids learn the constitution? And she was like, yeah, no, no, they, no. they don't. Um, and that's exactly what you said. You said constitution day is during the summer. So there's not a day for them to learn the constitution. I'm like the, the entire year, the entire school year should be about them learning the constitution. Right. I mean, when you're yeah. learning American history, you should be learning the constitution. Um, it should be the, the forefront of every, curriculum from, I mean, we're teaching our kid in it now. He's, he's in fourth grade and we're going over the constitution because we're in the American revolution. And, uh, and that, you know, that leads right up to it. Well, this is, this is what happened. This is where they thought, this is what they thought. This is what they, they wanted to see going forward. This is what they were trying to stop. And I asked him, do you see the correlation between then and now? And, uh, and he said, how much, how much, how much do you pay in taxes? 
I said a lot more than 3%. Well, yeah. I, I just, I, I just say that some of this stuff, cause like it, even with the, even with the tax thing, I mean, it, it's like anything else. I mean, when you're paying for something, you're expecting to get something back. What are we getting back right now currently from our federal government? I ask that question to people all the time right now. They're trying to take our rights away from us. How does that, I don't understand. Maybe you've got a better answer for this. We're getting vaccines and boosters. I, I get, I personally get angry and maybe it's just because I serve the country. I don't know. I don't care, but I get personally angry when I hear them coming back after my rights. And I think about all of the taxes that we're paying to this country and they're trying to take strip my liberties away from me. I kind of, I get, I get a little worked up about it. I get pretty angry about it that you can do that yet sit there with an honest broker. Well, I'm doing this for the good of the country. Well, I think we're in a place now, you guys, where, um, we're starting to get awake, so to speak. Let's flip that term around. We're starting to really be reawakened, and that's good because now we realize we're paying you this money. Uh, it is unequal. It's not right. We're paying you all of this money, and in return, we're getting nothing but you trying to take more. The greatest value we have is our right to choose our freedom. You know, really, God gave us that right originally through the ability to pick uh, the apple or not, right? To pick the, to take a bite of this or not. And then the Constitution, the Founding Fathers gave us that right too in the First Amendment, right? You have the right to speak of what you want. You have the right to challenge things. You have the right to worship that you want. You have the right to, to, to do this. And these rights are being stripped away. When those rights are being stripped away, we are edging our way towards socialistic Marxist ideologies and doctrines. And that means the government's becoming too big. Mm -hmm. What that means. And so, you know, backing up that answer, the founding fathers saw that as a potential because look, the temptation is there. It's for all of us. And this is something that we all want to keep in mind. We can all be tempted to fall for the um, trap that is power, money, control, power, mm -hmm. money, control. When you are offered power, money, control, and just it's like so enticing, you know, it looks good, sounds good, might feel good. But when you uh, you really align your belief system with that as everything, truly, that is the uh, the root of all evil. When the love of money becomes a superior thing, then you love money over people. That's about as bad as you can get. And I think these are just residual consequential actions and behaviors that result from that very thing that you talked about. And you mentioned the constitution. I mean, look at the independence day, what it's become. Mm -hmm. it, it's become just a big drunk fest, a big barbecue. You know, that should be one of the most solemn days. I mean, one of the most like, wow. I mean, solemn days we should ever have because we look at it from a couple different angles. And I've looked at the word independence from a varying ways. If you structure the word, we are independent of this British rule. We have a nation of independence. That's good. But when we did that, we became independent of Britain, but we became dependent on God. So it's independence of God and independent from governmental rule. And that might be a way we want to shape that thing from this point forward and in the way we celebrate and honor that day and uh, you can't really understand that until you know the constitution right no well that's that's very true and uh 
and and that may that and may happen going forward. Of course, I can't share my screen because I'm yeah. just right. uh, computer illiterate. Actually, no, I, 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 I got <laughs> to restart the whole thing, and I'm like, no, yeah, I'm not no, going to do that. Doing that. So, so the Tenth Amendment passed by Congress in 1789. It was ratified in 1791. Uh, the Tenth Amendment is the last group of constitutional amendments known as the Bill of Rights. Unlike several of the early amendments, it's quite brief. Only one sentence, but when the one sentence grants the state's governments all powers not specifically delegated by the federal government or by the Constitution, however, has a broad and grant seems to interpretation of the Supreme Court has placed some limits on state powers, which I don't understand that one, but we'll get to that in a second. The power is not delegated by the United States or by the Constitution, nor prohibited by the United States, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. That's what the 10th Amendment says. It is a one-sentence amendment. Yep. And there is that one sentence probably carries with it more weight um, then you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. That ha That's about equal weight right there because yeah. a lot of people don't understand that. You have the right to remain silent. People love to keep talking. And when a cop reminds you, hey, remember your rights. You have the right to remain silent. I'm going to advise you right now, shut up. <laughs> remain silent. It's better for you. Either way, um, these are things like, and there's a lot of people that say, well, what powers? Um, a lot of people talked about uh, the reserve powers for the federal government. Um, actually, it has nothing to do with that. The reserve powers are for the states. And I don't think states realize that. That yeah. the states, remember, when, and I always tell teach people that when the Constitution was created, the states were bigger than the government. The states mm -hmm. had more power than the federal government. That's yep. the way it was supposed to be. That's the way it was supposed to be rema remain. That's how our forefathers founded it and said that this is how it's going to be. So my question is, now that you're, I we're, can only guess, but you're going to be the next governor of Oklahoma. As the governor of Oklahoma, and I've heard this one bantered about the news, and we talked about it actually a little bit on our show. You told, and I was actually very surprised to learn about all the weed farms mm -hmm. in Oklahoma, and the Chinese buying up and all the, the Chinese land. buying up all the land. One of the interesting things I saw the other night on the news, and I think this was on Fox News, I saw it, but they were talking about Oklahoma, the land grants concerning the Chinese and the weed farms that are popping up everywhere, and how well everybody's everybody's eyes are on Oklahoma and what happens with weed or pot or whatever you want to call marijuana. it. Um, my thing is this, if you are elected governor, what are you going to do to either structure it, restructure it, or where do you see the pits and the downfalls right now? And what do you think you can do to make it better? Well, right now, I think people should understand that as best case scenario estimate is there's at least 300,000 acres of land in Oklahoma that is controlled by entities that have ties to the Chinese Communist Party. That is more land per acre per capita than any other state in these United States. Now, having said that, they're using it under the auspices, uh, Mick and V. Lynn, of this marijuana cultivation, which is now legal here. And I want people to understand that aspect right there, and then we'll move forward from an educational standpoint. It is still a crime from a federal standpoint to possess or sell marijuana. Based upon the 10th Amendment, the states decided 
we don't want to yield our right to make laws about marijuana and legality. We don't want to yield to the federal government. So therefore, we're going to maintain the power and say we want to make a law that says it's legal. So even though it's still illegal from the federal government, it's legal in the state of Oklahoma, as well as other states around these United States. So does that make sense so far right there? Yeah. Absolutely. Is that is that the same way that they're um, now making it legal in some states to sell ivermectin over the counter? They're basically using the same the same thing. Same concept. Now, ivermectin is going to be a little bit different because it's going to fall under that food and drug kind of thing. Uh, agency, but yet it's the same idea, right? And so what happened in Oklahoma is when they decided to legalize marijuana, they set up laws and rules on how you could do that, you know, how much land you could have and what kind of inspections you're going to get, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in, in every system that changes, there's always loopholes that people are going to exploit. And there was a major couple of loopholes that were exploited here. Number one, is there's no really tracking of these dummy corporations that can be really owned by, even though the corporations registered in Oklahoma, they could be owned by a group of Chinese nationals and you could still purchase land like that. Is it legal? I guess technically yes. But is it right? Is it getting around the system? No, it's not. Secondly, uh, I've talked to a lot of sheriffs uh, and I was speaking to the one of the county sheriffs just the other night at a rally and he has no right based upon these laws to inspect those facilities. Now, that is a big no-no. Now, what's happening is, and if you think about it from an evil standpoint, is the Communist Party, they want to, they hate America. Even to do business with them is, is stupid. That's like sitting down with the devil one day and saying, hey, you know, you promised not to harm me this time, even though you've spent the last uh, 3,000 years trying to crush every human being, spirit and soul, and take them away from God for eternity. And it's a foolish thing. But unfortunately, where we're uh, located right now geographically, uh, this is a great enemy tactic to build up your forces from the inside out under the covering of good old boy Oklahoma, build it up right in the central U.S. When you build up forces for potential terrorism and terrorism hubs right in the center of the U.S., that's a brilliant strategy by the enemies of these United States. Now, with that said, you also have the southern border, which Texas is to the south of us. It's wide open, completely wide open. There's major thoroughfares running right up through Texas, right into Oklahoma. And so now you have this influx of all kinds of mess, including sex trafficking, weapons trafficking, drug trafficking, right here in our state. Now, when I see that, what I want to do from a solution standpoint is I want to go back and research the law and say, where are those loopholes and how, we, how can we close those off, work with the legislators to close those things off, allow inspections of these facilities by law enforcement. They're going to find crimes because the Chinese Communist Party are going to not want to be dealing with that. So they're going to leave. And I predict a lot of walking off and leaving these farms leaving them up for eventually auction, and then we'll auction the land back off to Oklahomans, allow them to grow what they want, do what they want, be what they want, and we'll get our land back, we'll get our security back, and hopefully we'll continue to maintain a good sovereign atmosphere in the state where people feel like they can trust the state government uh, going forward. That that would be great because it, it sounds like, and you know, I'm 
I, uh, my, my brain puts things together in such a way that I, I come up with new fun conspiracy theories every single day. But, you know, back in the day, they, they used to, um, hide weed farms inside cornfields. Oh yeah. Now it sounds like they're hiding terrorist training camps inside weed farms. You nailed it right there. That's well, a scary well, thing. My, with that though, you, you brought up, I, I, I like your idea. Um, and one of the things I would say there's, I thought there was, uh, there's business disclosure. If you're a corporation, you have to disclose if you have any foreign investors. Um, I, I I don't understand. Like every time that I say that, every time that Beelin tells me, she's like, "Well, the Chinese they own land in Oklahoma." I was like, "No, they don't. No, because you can't buy property unless you're a U.S. citizen." That's so right. That's El numero uno. But under a corporation, you if you're incorporated. Um, and I know on U.S. land or on for U.S. land, if you wanted to purchase land in the United States and you're going to buy it as a corporation, um, the investor, the primary investor, and I believe I want to say the primary subsidiary of the investor has to be located here, headquartered here in the United States to purchase land. Okay. So that being said, they have to have their headquarters here and they have to be present here. Um, now, if their investment is coming from overseas, or the primary bulk of the money, I think that's where you're going to get them is you're going to say, okay, well, if you want to purchase land in Oklahoma, that's fine, but you have to show us where this stream of money's coming from. And Oh, by the way, just so you're aware, it cannot be coming from overseas and your prime and they have to open their books to any state. If you're buying land on like that magnitude, they have to open their books to you. So there's no way to cover that up. And I've always said, follow the dollar, follow the money. You always follow the money. You get yep. down to the end. Well, this is just like any other investigation you've ever conducted as a police officer. Yep. Follow the money. Where's the money coming from? And that ends that for you. Here's what's been interesting about this. And I've done some inquiries. And, and again, this I'm sure this is public information and not surprising to anybody out there. And really, if it is surprising, let it be the first time you hear it and go, wow. But this is kind of how it could be done. And this is kind of some of the inquiries that I've done already, because I figured at this point in the game, I, I might as well start acting gubernatorial and getting involved in people's lives and not waiting on an election because people need to have confidence that I know at least um, idea wise what I'm getting into. And I know at least conceptual wise, what kind of problems I'm dealing with and how to start working on solutions once elected. This is what I believe is happening. I believe that there's realtors out there that are going to farmers that own all kinds of land. We know the farming industry has taken a hit and taken a beating because of the pandemic and everything attached to it. People have lost some of their businesses, et cetera. So the farmer out here, let's call him Farmer Smith, has plot of land that's worth X number of dollars. The realtor in that area would go to them and say, hey, I think I can sell your land for you and I, I think I can get you a 30% profit off of even the appraised value. That would be great. The pharmacist, okay, cool. So the realtor then talks to another investor from another company that might be based on the other side of the state, a company that's based in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for example. And that company would in, in turn offer through the realtor to buy the land out there. The land would be transferred into that other company over here. And that company has to happens to have person A, let's call this person, John Doe, and he happens to be married to um, Wang Chu, who happens to be a Chinese national citizen. Mm -hmm. 
and therefore the money might be followed through Wong Chu's account to John Doe to be used to fund this corporation. So it's a shell corporation continuing. And, and however you go back to that, if the intent of this is to get this and then on top of the land, then you bring in Chinese nationals to farm it, put them to work under who knows what wage conditions, because they are right now. And then if it can't be inspected, what better way to funnel weapons and all kinds of terroristic subplots into the state? It's, it's a brilliant plan. But I look at it from a standpoint of an investigator. I'm like, you know, any evil plan always leaves a fatal error. It does. That's why murderers get caught. They're pretty stupid because evil is stupid. So I'm going to find those fatal errors and I'm going to hire someone to do it. I've got inquiries already into one of the most um, well-known persons who has the instincts, the ability, and the desire to take down these criminal uh, enterprises. And that's probably the biggest part of it. And I, the only problem there is this is. Uh, hey, you're always the one that says follow the money and follow the wives. I, I yeah. Yeah. We, we love do, that. That's good. You do that. But, and I'm, I, I love to look into stuff. I love to get into the weeds on stuff. But one of the problems I have with that though, is what they might be doing is not necessarily illegal. And that's where you, you really get into it. That's, you know, that's where you need the sheriff's inspections of the facility. You right. get the, the touchy, the touchiness of what's going on. Cause it might not, might not necessarily be illegal. And to actually go into a courtroom and to get a warrant sworn based upon real sketch information that can really end badly for you on several different occasions, on several yeah. different levels. But I think what the more important, I think the most important part of this or one of the bigger parts or one of the more, more, I don't know if you call it more important, most important, it doesn't matter. It is, I think it's very important that you get at the end of it. First of all, um, i.e. we have American companies owning these fields, which I think is most important. Um, but my, my B side of this, the one thing that I, I keep drawing back from why wheat, why pot, you know what I'm saying? It, would make sense if you, all right, so let's just say I bought up a bunch of warehouses in Oklahoma and I'm terrorist A and I need a place to assemble bombs. You mean like that? what they're doing here in Georgia? No, because they're yeah. doing it for a whole nother reason. But I'm terrorist A from some Middle Eastern country and I need a place to assemble my car bombs. Now, you, we're talking about weed fields. I mean, why weed? That's the one thing that I can't wrap my head around. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just, you know, doofy and I just can't figure it out. But why weed? Well, my thought is on that is because one, the, the weed um, is legal, right? It's legal in Oklahoma. So it's legal yep. to grow, legal to cultivate, and legal to sell. And it, there's so many people out there that um, are addicted, some rightly so, some wrongly so, to marijuana. I have talked to many people that are these marijuana investors, and they tell me the same story, that that crop is sold before it ever goes in the ground. So there's profitability in that. I think, too, that because of, in, in my investigation, they'll grow these um, 
tall crops that sort of shield like a fence, right? Mm -hmm. Shield like a fence, the internal growings of the operation. So you can't see in there. Now, from a law enforcement perspective, we know that law enforcement, I've been there, can go in and do a routine bar check to make sure a bar has its necessary permits. It's doing the right thing and they can look around. Again, no warrant needed. It's a public bar check. If we brought that back into the realm of possibilities with these grow farms, the sheriff's office go in there and do a routine grow farm check, a routine, routine weed check. And if they see laws being broken in their presence, they can act on those right then. And I've been in the bar check, you know, scenario many times before. And I'll tell you what I see in that when I go to those bar checks, I remember this as an officer, many times you show up and, and this is not going to surprise either one of you. You guys are smart. You show up in the middle of these bars, you know, there is criminal activity being afoot because they kind of have a loose association with each other. Not to say you can't do crimes outside of a bar, but a bar is a place where there is somewhat of an association because you do alcohol, which makes us um, uh, limiting in our ability to rationalize things if we get intoxicated, you know, so it's neurotoxic. But you go in there and you see people that may have came in there with a gun. Well, you can't bring a gun in a bar, right? You see people in there, they're actually sloppy drunk. Public drunk is a crime. Uh, so you see bartenders serving drinks to a sloppy drunk. Again, you cannot serve drinks to a person who is drunk. And so you have these potential violations in there that I many times have acted upon. And who knows how many times we have stopped for their criminal activity or for the criminal acts by just doing a bar check. So I just think there's great potential there. I don't have it all figured out yet, of course, because I need to get into all the details next to get a nice task force to do that. But I do know there's a problem and I know in any problem there's, there's a solution that's just waiting to be found. Um, what about fire marshals? Yeah. Do great question. They, they can't get in there yet. You can't, wow. go, you can't inspect those, which is, that's, is unfortunate. That's insane. Whoa, 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 because whoa. That's, no, no, no. Because don't you have in Oklahoma, I would think you would have it, but don't you have uh wildland fire marshals too? Have what? what may, wildland fire marshals? Wildland fire marshals? Fire marshal? I'm sure there are. Um, but I Those think that like if they have the inspection abilities, you know, you got to go back to say, okay, well, what manpower do they have? And are we going to encourage them to do that? And that's a whole other issue because a lot of these rural fire departments and things like that, they, they're not funded very well. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was just thinking, you know, like if there's any kind of structure there, they, they have to have, you know, smoke alarms. For, I mean, it's, it's required yeah. uh, per, per code, per building permits. And as codes change, and I believe they're still required to get a, a fire marshal inspection on an annual basis. I, the fire marshal at my old work was like the bane of my existence. Well, he was the bane of my boss's existence. And in fact, I was, <laughs> my, he, my boss couldn't stand. they couldn't stand each other. Whenever he was, whenever he pulled up, like the, the call would go out on the radio, he was supposed to leave the building and I was to go deal with the fire marshal. Um, and, and actually that, that held true. We were out on St. Patrick's day and the same fire marshal came into a bar and I was like, everything's good here. You can leave. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. 
because fire marshals do bar checks too. That's what brought it to mind. Um, I don't know. It just I, that that might be an avenue to pursue that there may be some loophole that you can get a fire marshal in there because if a fire marshal sees something, they they can at least report it to the sheriff and and take it from there. So yeah, that's a an idea. great idea. It's a great angle. And again, this is what dialogue's about. You know, that's we the people, we the people solve the problems that are before us. And we've always done that. That's that's why we banded together and we declared that we can do this better and, and we can be independent of you, Great Britain. We're good. Yes. And I know, I know for a fact that the Oklahoma Police Department probably has some really, really cool helicopters. <laughs> right. You can't control airspace. As far as no, I'm you concerned, you, right now we're not in uh we're not in Japan yet where we're building above a certain number of floors and we're gonna taxi air. Or in above New York a City where they're actually selling yeah. airspace above places right so, now. So yeah. I asked this especially when it comes to that. And I know a lot of people are going to go, wait a minute, Mick, now you're saying something that you're violating the fourth amendment of the constitution or you're violating illegal search and seizure. No, I'm not. What I'm simply stating is that as a governor, which you would be, um, you get a bill drafted and done signed through the state Senate and state state house. Yeah. And it comes back to you for signature that says that if you're going to operate one of these grow fields, we, we have the liberty to fly over the grow field oh, whenever yeah. the heck we want. And, uh, that airspace is open to us period. And what does that allow you to do? Well, now you don't have to worry about that stupid fence of weed that's growing eight feet tall and you can't see around. Right. And well, that's, that's true. Oh. You know, when I was in law enforcement, um, this is pre-legal uh, grow days. The um, helicopters that we had in a state and some of the larger municipalities would fly around and they would locate these grow farms, you know, by looking for heat sources using FLIR technology. And yep. they would see that and we would be able to bust up a lot of the grows like that. I think that that's probably still out there, you know, as far as what they can do at this point. And at the same time, you know, now that it's legal, it's like we have to sort of deal with the difference of that at this point. You know, now we got legal grow farms, which is the breeding ground for all this other stuff. And so we, we got to figure out how to find out what's legal from illegal within that entity at this point, I think. And, and you know, I, I got to tell you this too, Doc. The One of the things that have always uh, kind of drove me a little crazy when it comes to this, because this reminds me of gun shops. If you think about a gun shop, okay, gun shops are owned by legal gun owning people. They follow the law. They follow the rules. They yeah. don't break the rules because they know what can happen to them if they get caught breaking the rules. All right. Uh, doing favors for buddy, stuff like that. That's going to get them in a whole lot of mess of trouble that they don't want to be involved in. So my thing is this. I believe the same thing is probably true on the weed side or on the marijuana side. People that don't dispensaries side. don't generally smoke. They their own products, generally yeah. are probably very law abiding citizens that are doing the right thing 90% of the time. Don't get me wrong. It's just like anywhere else. Everywhere else, it doesn't matter where you're at. Sometimes you got some winners or you got a lot of winners, but some, a lot of times there's a whole lot of losers in there too. Yes, and sir. This is sounds like it's probably another situation in this in and out in and out of the same boot, so to speak. And with this situation, what I saw on the news and of course, you know, it's it's NBC. They, it's propaganda. It's propaganda. So they blow it up <laughs> way. But the, the point that I think uh, one of the guys made that was interviewed, he said that, you know, we're all doing the right thing. 
the state doesn't have to, I mean, we know that they consent to searches. They consent. They, yes, you can come search my place. Go for it. Not a problem. I am legally, everything I am doing here is legal by the law to the letter of the law. Now, um, my wonder, I wonder what the difference is between the questionable ones, the ones that might have the Chinese run money. How do you get, what changes? I mean, I guarantee you remember back in the day, Hey, can I, you know, you pull somebody over and the guy's like sitting on the side of the car and you know, he's outside the car and you're talking to him and you're like, Hey, but I, I'm just going to pat you down just to make sure you don't have anything on you. And when that guy says, well, no, you're not. What yeah, do you, right. what, what automatically goes off in the back of your head? You got something. Got a gun. You got something on you. I don't know what it is. It could be my life. It could be my partner's life, but you have got something on you that automatically starts that, that emotion going up and simply talking to these guys saying, Hey, would you consent to a search right now just to ensure that everything you're doing is per the letter of the law? And the one guy that says, no, but bingo, that's not enough to start a warrant or enough to get a warrant, but it is enough to start paying, uh, giving it just a little bit more attention. That, that's a slippery slope, though, because if you remember in all these recent court cases, people that pled the fifth, the news came out and said, well, they must be guilty. Yeah. That is a challenging area, you guys, because like. Here's we, you know, it's, it's it is a slick area that really we have to be very aware of both sides of a coin. You know, like Mick, you bring up a very good point. When I would stop a car and ask that question, I wasn't just asking the question because I was curious. There was something in me that gave me suspicion that maybe there's something else going on, something I could articulate, right? Something and that I could see, something yeah. I could feel, a, a, a way that the person yeah. was around me. Like, for example, you know, I'll give you just a, uh, you know, some, we, we used to call it a furtive movement. Like, you stop a car, and all of a sudden you see the person as he's pulling over the side, you see him diving under the, the, the left seat or something like that. And all of a sudden, you stop him, and he gives you his driver's license. He's acting really nervous. His, uh, his hands are shaky. His lips are quivering when um, he's talking to you. Well, I've already saw a movement. Now I'm seeing him shaky. It's not just shaky because he saw me. It's shaky maybe because of something else. And my job is to protect myself and him or her. So at that point, I may or may not ask them to step out of the car. Probably would. And I would ask him to step and I'd be very kind and say, listen, I saw you reach towards your seat over here and that made me suspicious. And I'm wondering right now, you act really, really nervous. Do you have anything on you that could hurt me or you, or that's illegal or on your car? And I would ask that question. That's a yes or no question. Mm -hmm. That's not a, can I search? Right. You observe the answer, you pay attention to the answer, and the way they answer the question gives you a third area of potential decision in that tree, right? And so you see how that works. The same is true with everything else. We do have a right to privacy. Yes, we maintain that. We're going to maintain that. And if we got nothing to hide, you know, that's the other area there. So do we have something to hide? Do we not have something to hide? So this is a sort of a, a area of education for people, you know, and so 
it's also an education for the people, but it's an education for the law enforcement or the fire marshal or whoever's inspecting the place. You know, education-wise, this is what you're looking for when you deal with human beings. Pay attention to nonverbal clues. Be a trained observer. That's super key because when you miss something like that, you know, and you mentioned it well, I'll make a second ago, you can lose your life. Yeah. Man, you can lose your life. And that can be the last night you're on the planet Earth because you made a bonehead decision and didn't notice something you should have. And, and, you know, you mentioned a task force before. I, I'm guessing you're talking about a legal, like, hey, what can we do here, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, when it comes to exactly what we're just talking about right now and going and inspecting these places. Are you going to put, I'm guessing as governor, you have a plan to put together a task force that will be required to go to these farms, to talk to these people and people are, cause I look at it this way. If we're going to okay to grow weed, which I, I got to be honest with you, I'm indifferent on. I, yeah. I'm not against weed. I, I don't think that weed is the um, end all be all. Uh, I don't think it's the, the harbinger of death, like people talk about. I I believe that if we're going to do it, we need to do it just like the federal government's done to guns. As far as I'm concerned, there should be a three-letter agency that is, uh, call it the the FWB. The the federal, no, no, it's got to be separate. The ATF is alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. It's not weed. So it would have to be its own entity. But do what you did to guns do it to weed. Yeah, because we need another three-letter agency. The ATF, though, but listen, the ATF is, I like the ATF because you know what the ATF proves every time that they go out and they actually find a registered firearm to an individual, to a citizen. They always find that that guy's followed the rules up and down. He's got the right safes. He's got everything he's supposed to have. And go figure um, the how, other guys. How about, we, how about we dissolve the ATF and turn it into the weed agency? Whatever, whatever we do with it. But <laughs> I, I'm I'm to that point. That's what I want to see. There's got to be something. Go ahead, do it, legalize it, but let's regulate it to where, for instance, people in your position have an effect over your community, and it doesn't pollute your community as much as. And I think every governor should be able to make that stand. With that constitutional carry. I got to tell you, I'm hearing a lot of governors, especially here in Georgia. Kemp's come out because he knows that he's on the final days of his administration. Yeah, he's, about to lose. he's about to lose. He knows he's out. Um, Purdue's worthless. Even though he's been endorsed by Donald Trump, he's worthless. I don't, I don't put any stock in him whatsoever. In Georgia, um, they have made this big thing about constitutional carry. And at first I was all about it, but then I started reading into it and I got really angry about this. And I, I mean, really angry. And the reason I got really angry about it was, um, why am I going to give up my laws that are granted or endowed to me by my creator, give it back to a man who's going to give me back the same law who can take it back later? Thank you. Yeah, you know, you look at the um, the Second Amendment, you know, I just did a little talk on that. That's basically saying in a nutshell, and that's, again, a very short one. You should pull that up in a minute and read that, Mick, for everyone. But basically, we're saying that... Uh, the militia um, should be uh, able to, you know, keep and bear arms and that that's a right and it shall not be infringed, right? It shall not be infringed. So the Second Amendment shall not be infringed, which is the uh, description of the right to bear arms. Now, why do we bear arms? It's not just to, um, you know, protect our home from the bad guys breaking in. This is about 
protecting us from even big government yep. overreach. Absolutely. Um, and this is a big deal. So yep. people need to understand that. Now, people would say, well, is the militia, is that citizens or is that military and police? Well, if you look at the definition of militia, militia it's, it's, there's a varying angles of that, but citizens, it's citizens. It's yeah. well, it's, it's, it's of age citizens that are meant to supplement, to come behind and assist the military and or police, I suppose, or sheriffs in times of emergency. And so it's a, it's a brilliant concept. And I think that that needs to be honored and that should not be infringed because that's again, a constitutional right. Yeah. Constitutional carry. The whole idea of constitutional carry is, is kind of ridiculous, superfluous, maybe a misnomer, right? Why are, why are they making a law to allow us to do something that the constitution already allows? Thank you. It's, it's, that's, that's where my argument, I guess, is it's kind of moot, but uh, just to read it, uh, one of the most hotly debated parts of the constitution is the second amendment is a single sentence that leaves a lot open for uh, um, interpretation, which I do not agree with. This is obviously a left-leaning site that I'm, that I'm found. Um, Passed in 1789, along with nine other amendments known as the Bill of Rights, it prevents the government from infringing on well-regulated militias. What this means is up for debate. The Supreme Court released a very few groundkeeping opinions or groundbreaking opinions upon the topic in, until 2008, where, um, where they found the Second Amendment does, in fact, protect an individual right to bear arms. Um, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed is exactly the words used. And that's why I am, again, these were endowed to me by my creator. Why am I going to let man who is known for taking things back from me, which we're watching them try to do it now, both yeah. our first amendment, second amendment, third, fourth, sixth, uh, ninth. I mean, they're going after the whole kit and caboodle. They're going after the whole constitution. Oh yeah, of course they are. Yep. This is just, I, I mean, to me, it's getting out of hand, but what are you going to do? So obviously you're going to have to pass something in Oklahoma. I, I doubt it's going to be a law, but how would you as governor, if that issue is an issue in Oklahoma, which I don't know if it is, I don't know. I if think you, you, do you guys already have constitutional carry there? We do. And there's okay. a lot of, um, so yes. what is what is technically the definition of your constitutional carry? I guess that is the first well, right question. now you can carry a firearm. You can carry it on your hip if you want to publicly. No problem. Um, it's kind of where people in Oklahoma, we all grew up with guns. You know, it's been said, well, guns kill people. No, people kill people. And the first yep. murder, Cain killed Abel without a gun. So you don't need guns to kill people. And the murder spirit is something that's wrong with mankind. It's not the guns problem. Um, people pull the triggers. The guns don't fire on them own on their own. Um, we live in a state. I, I, got a, I got a quarter in my house. I got all my guns stacked up. And they still yeah. haven't. I haven't seen them shoot one person yet. No, they're not going to just all of a sudden start shooting themselves. You have to load them. You have to pull the trigger, and that's the intent of them, right? They're, right. they're for protection and they're for um, even offensive weapons in the states of self-defense and even hunting or or whatever the like. But. The idea in Oklahoma is we do have open carry right now. And um, there's a couple interesting observations about that. When I was in law enforcement, I remember, you know, the, those laws started passing and I, that you could do that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have people in the street with guns. How do you know who's who or what's what? Well, um, I had to work through that and reconcile through that because, you know, you're trained that everybody might have a gun and 
therefore you act and treat everybody as if they had a gun, even though you can't see it. But now you've got guns that you can see, and now you have this escalated to the point. But then I realized the Second Amendment's intent. And so I had to get over that to realize that maybe I might look at it like this from a law enforcement standpoint. If I got out there and I was having problems in a situation and a law-abiding citizen comes by that's carrying a gun, he may be able to come into that situation, pull out his gun and save my my butt, right? And so we have a lot of laws in place right now that give us the ability unequivocally to carry guns. I don't see Oklahoma backing away from that. I see it becoming probably one of the most pro-Second Amendment states that in these United States, um, kind of a gun sanctuary, if you will. And, you know, eventually there's been a lot of bills put forward that I, I will sign based upon what you just said, because the Second Amendment rights shall not be infringed, that we shall be able to keep and bear firearms. Now, I know people are going to say, well, what about this? What about that? Well, all I know is the Second Amendment says that those rights to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And so I'm going to honor the Constitution. That's my duty, right, to protect that. So, you know, we have good stuff here. I think more stuff be, to be had. And I hope that that premise is honored around the country as well, eventually by other states. Same here. I, I hope we can cross state borders and I don't have to worry about different gun laws in every state. Yep. Go to. Yeah. I really do. Uh, last question, question, uh, the GOP. Um, I know there's been some tomfoolery that's gone on down here in, uh, good old Georgia. We've had some tomfoolery with candidates, uh, uh pay right to, now pay to play. You there's know, a lot of things, a lot of things going on where they're, they're trying and we are, we are watching rules. in real time. Yeah. They are trying to change the rules. They're, they actually have a bill here that they're, um, they're trying to make it illegal to raise any campaign funds while the House is in session, which then in turn, of course, as soon as they pass that, uh, our current governor, because he knows he's on the out, is going to call a special session that he never called for the election fraud, but he's oh, yeah. now because he doesn't want Candace to raise any funds. But we are watching them pick and choose exactly who's going where. So, you know, they they want Purdue to be the governor. Um, they're, you know, they're saying, okay, they took Vernon Jones out of the race and they're putting him to run for Congress in district 10, even though he's not even from district 10. Yeah. And then they offered Candace $5 million to run for Congress in another district to get her out of the governor race. They are, they are paying people to put them in the places where they want them to be, where they think they can control them the most. Yeah. Does the same stuff go on in Oklahoma? I mean, yes, are you the same question, problem Here's the thing, you know, in Oklahoma, we have the same problem you have right there. It's called a Republican problem. And we need to understand that. And what you just said, you know, Candace Owens, well-qualified, wonderful Taylor. lady. Different Candace, Candace Taylor. Yeah, can, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Uh, sorry about that slip of tongue there. But the idea is that, you know, the best candidate many times in different races is absolutely um, diminished because it doesn't fit the establishment's mold. And what they want to do is they want to get people in that they can control. If they can control them and they can manipulate them, nothing changes in the, the powers that be the establishment that is. When I decided, my wife and I, to run for governor of Oklahoma, I this, this, is a, this is the question that I was asked by every single solitary political consultant that I talked to. Here it was. Didn't, they didn't ask me how I stood about anything, where I was. Nothing about me. It was like, how much money do you have? I knew that was going to be the question. And I'm like, and I would stay there, honestly, 
and I'm a polite guy, you know, make them be lean. You all know me personally. I'm your friend mm-hmm. and, and, and you're my friend. The conversation that went there, they were probably in my office about 15 more seconds. And I said, are we still, are we done? Because yeah, I, that I answer have- is none of their business. And nor will I run a campaign like that. So I just decided that I wasn't going to participate in their stupid games. I wasn't going to participate in that childish game about the the, the boys or girls club. This is our club and you, you don't fit into it because we need right now different types of candidates. We need to run campaigns differently. We need to run campaigns in this way with finances. We need to say, okay, um, I'm going to show you people of Georgia or people of Oklahoma how to run a campaign very efficiently and very leanly so that you see and you have confidence in me that I will also run government that way. On the flip side, if you say, well, I'm going to manipulate you to take as much money as I can, get as much money as I can and be bribed by special interests or lobbyists to do this. I'm going to do the same thing when I get in office. Yep. And so that's true. And so, the mission that I'm encouraging people to have is, you know, what you've heard today, what you hear from, you know, your Candace, you know, the same thing is we need to push that hard and let it be an inspiration to other people to step up in mass and run for offices everywhere. Get involved and run your campaign like that. And I've even suggested, too, that people take our app you know, that, that one you guys know about the Sherwood 2022 yep. and use that as a vetting tool, you know, run through that, use it as a vetting tool for your own candidate. Well, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? And ask them the hard questions. Well, I, my question actually was more about like, okay, so it is happening in Oklahoma, but what are you doing to, to, to get around it? I mean, Candace is, she's got her own way. And my second, my part B question to that is, then I think we need to start talking about maybe starting a third party. There has to yeah. be some other way to do this because what I'm watching um, is a co- complete perversion from what the forefathers founded. And you can read it in Federalist from 16 to 27. Um, those papers that uh, John, John, John Quincy Adams and um, uh, Thomas, Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson both wrote in the Federalist uh, from like I said, paper 16 through 27, they wrote about elections and what elections were about and what it meant and how it applies, how the constitution applies to it. And one of the big things they went over was the fact that there was no one party greater than the other, that everything was equal and that nobody, no matter what, every American had a chance as long as they met the qualifications needed to be president of the United States could be president of the United States. Where we got so derailed in this Democrat Republican crap, we got rid of the Whigs, the Tories, everything became Republican and Democrat and independents. They really don't stick their head above water, nor do they hold uh, water going into these races. But my issue with this is, is that we have, um, We've heard about so many. I've heard. I've learned about so many different parties. The Constitution Party. Um, they're another one that's out there. They are definitely stone cold constitutionalists, and I love them. And I. I think that they. They meet. I mean, even our own attempt when we looked at it. I mean, we honestly looked at starting the Patriot Party because why not? I mean, there has to be an alternate to what we're seeing going on in Washington today. There has to be an alternate to what we see going on in each state today, because I'm sorry, the GOP plays some really dirty tricks with their own people. They do. 
and people have got to start calling this out. And I know that you're running for, for governor. I'm sure you've already dealt with some of this. What have you seen? What have you seen? I mean, what are they doing to you to stop you from running? So here's what's happening to me personally. And I, I, I will say, let me, I concur with your um, assessment. We need to have the ability to run as an independent. When I started this uh, observational period on praying through it, I was a registered independent for years because I got sick of both parties. I knew that was wrong. And when I looked at the landscape and decided to run for governor, I knew unequivocally an independent couldn't win because of the very thing you said. So I looked at the Republican, um, the GOP um, rules and and stances across Oklahoma. And I read every line of them. I've got those right now on my phone. I read those things and I thought, okay, I align with these things. Now, not that they were doing them because they weren't, mm -hmm. but I align with these things. So I'm going to establish myself as a Republican and run under the Republican ticket under what I see right here. So that became the sort of the, the doctrine, if you will, the guidebook for the stances with which I promised to do. But this is what's happened to me um, in all the polls. Not I said all they've not included me in one of them, not one. All the newspaper articles, they won't even list me as a candidate, not one. Wow. In the meetings that I go to, you know, they know that I'm not going to take any sort of money, not invited to speak. So they they eliminate you. The media creates a narrative right now, and it, it sort of has the, in my book, the incumbent governor against right now a Republican turned Democrat. They hate each other, so they like that story. So they're already setting the tone for this is going to be a great race between these two. So they already predisposition and presuppose that that's going to happen. So that's their narrative they're creating. And so the, the interesting thing is, when I go to places, people are like saying, well, I don't hear about you on the news anywhere, but man, I sure like what I hear. This is great. Where have you been? Why haven't I heard about you? So that's been a problem we've had to overcome. And so the best way to overcome that is I have done, I mean, I've tried to be on, no kidding, 10 podcasts per week, plus do my very best to work and raise my own money. I don't manipulate people in the backside. I trust God to give people the encouragement to give. I tell them it's a, it's a need, but I'm not worried about it. I'm not. I can't. I can't worry about money. I've got to be concerned with the people. And I've taken every speaking engagement that I can, and, and we're stretching ourselves to the limit. I mean, we are going all over the state, literally two or three nights a week. We're somewhere across the states, a lot of driving, a lot of sleepless nights. A lot of hard work, but it's worth it. And so those are the things we've done to overcome that. And the best I can say is election day, you know, people get out and vote and uh, they will. And then we're going to have to overwhelm them because they're going to try to maintain the narrative. Yeah, I, I, I've, I have two things to say to that. First off, um, if money really mattered, Hillary Clinton would have won in 2016. Yes. Okay. And I, and something we heard yesterday and this, this is great. Um, well, first off, it's, it's not just about voting in the election. And we, we spoke at these events over the weekend and this is generally what we said. Um, 
you have to vote in the primary because we're so sick of getting to the general election and choosing between the lesser of two evils. Yes. We want to go to any general election and be proud to vote for the candidate that we know is going to represent us right? as, as citizens of our respective states. Um, but that being said, I think, uh, first off, people need to go vote in the primaries because if you don't vote in the primary, you're not going to be voting for your candidate in the general nope. election. You're going to get stuck choosing between the lesser of two evils, the ones that, that the news media and the establishment, that the two wings of the same bird have, have chosen for you, right? Yep. Um, so when people go to the polls on June 28th for your primary or November, what is it this year, 4th? Yeah, so. For the general? For the general, yeah, right? Number, uh, November 5th. Yeah. Um, people should vote for the person that they've not heard of, right? The person yeah. that, who, that whether, I mean, if they've met you in person, if they've been to your rallies, they've heard you on a podcast, that's one thing. But if they've not heard of you on the news, if they've not heard of you, you know, in in the polls or yeah. whatnot, that's the person that they should vote for because that's the person that the establishment is going against. And that's Good the advice. Love that. I, I got to tell you, Doc, too, it's uh, when I what I heard this weekend about stuff that was going on here in Georgia, I was absolutely disgusted. I was like, this just this is not the America that I guarantee that every single one of our forefathers is rolling over. That's right. right now because this is ridiculous. And the fact that you're going not even one mention, not even one poll. Have you done any straw polling? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, um, when we talk to people and do straw polling, we turn out really, really well. Right. But again, we published that and put that out there in our own channels. And so the app has been our primary communication tool. It really has, because even with social media right now, we're getting censored. Videos are being taken down and, um, you know, et cetera. So it's challenging, but the app is what we've been as our primary tool. And that's worked so far so good because that's more of a personalized approach, right? Yeah. And it's, it's always there. I mean, you, everybody carries their phone with yeah. them. They yep. can go get it and everybody loves a good app. And I got oh, to yeah. tell you, because uh, Candace was talking about that this weekend, and she was talking about uh, one of the things she said actually yesterday when we were at the rally yesterday, she said she had brought up the fact that uh, none of the polls in Georgia have her listed on any of them. Nope. And she's done her own straw poll. And uh, whenever they put out a poll, she has her own straw polling that's done. And her straw polling right now is way above where Kemp and Purdue are both sitting. And the funny part is that now I'm starting to see yard signs all over Georgia where I never saw them before. All of a sudden, people, the word's getting out. Yeah. There's one thing that I've got to give her, you, anybody else who's doing these real grassroots, um, she's about to get on this bus tour, matter of fact. It's going to take her all over the state uh, for oh, about a, what two weeks almost yeah two weeks and um, then a break and then another we're going for one day uh on it just to go wherever she's going and talk at the rally but she has got this bus tour that's about to go on go through all over the state of georgia which i can't wait for because the people that she brings with her are a they're amazing there's this one lady that was there this week amazing she's an amazing woman i had no idea that she was even running for office and she was there with her they're both campaigning together i was absolutely amazed i was like holy that that woman is awesome she's super strong and i love her energy but this is the type like the guys that are doing these grassroots a lot of people don't realize 
how much work goes into a grassroots campaign. And I, I got to tell you, I've watched what Candace does. I've watched what I'm hearing what you're doing. I guarantee these things are not, that's not easy to do a, but B to go up there night after night, day after day. And it's almost like regurgitation of the same thing over and over again, but you've got to make it sound interesting. So people want to listen to you. Yeah. And one of the things I think that you all do a heck of a lot better than people like the polished politicians do is you add a bit of realism to it. And that is something that most Americans appreciate. And if you keep that going, I think that is going to propel you through. And the more people realize that, hey, you put your pants on the same way I do, one leg at a time. There ain't nothing different between us and that one. More people realize that, the more people that are going to be like, this is more like who we want. That's been exactly our experience. Uh, Mick and B. Lynn, we've uh, got out there and we're the same. It's it's not about me. It's not about my wife. It's about we. And you're right. You got to get out there every day, put on your game face, and every single human being gets your best. And that requires a deep dig um, because sometimes you're out there and you're exhausted. You're tired. You feel like you can't talk to one more person. You feel like you can't shake one more hand. And then honestly, something we call it, I call it God just comes over you. And there's something that comes out of you and it overflows because it's what you're called to do. It's what's inside you. It's who you become. And that's a remarkable thing to observe. And, you know, I know that Candace does that. That happens through me. It happens to my wife and it happens to other grassroots candidates because these are the type of people me withstanding that we need to elect to office because that's what's going to change things. Yeah. That's what's going to bring change because the more of those kind of people we have, the more we can learn each other, get to know each other, work together across state lines. And that creates this coalition, this loose coalition of states, much like back in the 13 colonies. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And it does. we stand together for the good of all of the people of these United States. And, you know, I know Mick said that was the last question. I, I do want to touch on one thing real quick. And I know we've kept you long, Doc, and I appreciate your time. Um, a, a lot of talk has been going on recently about national divorce. Um, and and it almost seems like if the states took their powers back and as sovereign states, you know, I, I was on a... a clubhouse or Twitter space was something like that, talking to a bunch of people. And uh, and someone from the UK was talking about the States and he referred to us as 50 countries. And and I was like, I, I, I wish that was true. I really do, right? Yes. If, if we were sovereign States, we really would be 50 countries. So the more and more I think about it, if we could do it amicably, you know, if, if we could each become sovereign States again and form those loose co coalitions, maybe we could make the concept of national divorce without the negative connotation actually work for us. What are your thoughts on that? I do agree with that. Nobody wants to get to the point of secession, national divorce, but I'm not afraid of it. You know, it's like way back when, you know, 1775, you, you try to be nice. You try to say, you know what? You stay over there. We're going to stay over here. Don't screw with me. Don't mess with me. We'll maintain our stuff. We don't need you. But if that doesn't work out, there comes a point in time where you've got to start flipping over tables. And I mean that literally. You've got to draw the line. And I see that line being drawn. Now, having said that, I see the federal government right now as nothing more than an overpriced, 
overpowered bully. And when the states step up, we the people step up, that's going to be the difference. And I want people to understand this quote, and they need to understand this very clear in the very heart of hearts. When the people fear the government, that is tyranny. When the government fears the people, that is freedom. Let freedom ring in all of us. Let it resonate in our heart and our minds and our voices. It's not about going out to make war. But it's about standing up for rights, what's right, and going to war if you need to, to protect your rights. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Well, again, we appreciate it, Doc. We kept you a little long today, but uh, we love having you on. And uh, we look forward to bringing you back on. Um, oh, of course. And, uh, yeah. Well, okay. I don't have anything else. Now, yeah. where, where are you going to be? Where can people yes. find you in the next week or so? Yep, I'll be in uh, Canton, Ohio at um, the Reawaken Tour. I'm, I'm going to speak on Saturday there next weekend. Mm -hmm. And then we have an event in Tulsa, Oklahoma on February the 25th and an event in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, February the 26th. And then there's a bunch of stuff going the next week. So that's coming up on the media horizon. If people want to know where we are, they're all populated on our app, Sherwood 2022. And just find out where you are. Yes, exactly. There it is right there. Boom. Excellent. There you go. And uh, you can really see some really good. You want to see a good ad? Go watch that. I, maybe we'll. Plug, I know, right? We're going to plug this ad in here on the uh, on in this show? on the show, just so everybody can watch it because I, I that's like probably one of the best political ads I've seen uh, in a while. So we appreciate you coming on, Doc, and uh, look forward to talking to. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, always. Oh, a yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. You guys take care. Next hey. time it'll be on a live stream. So yeah. hey, I'm looking forward to that. Yes, let's do it. It'll be very new. For yes. all of us. <laughs> yeah. Mick's got to try to keep me on time. We'll, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. That never works. You can do it. It's all good. <laughs> I'll try. Appreciate it, Doc. We will talk Thank to you, you later. All right. Have see you later. Bye. So, yep. That was Dr. Sherwood. Wow. Uh, I always love Dr. Sherwood. And, you know, I'm I'm glad we did a political episode with him this time because we've, you know, we, we do the medical episodes with him a lot. And, and I mean, they're incredibly valuable and I still send them to people all the time, especially as the questions have arisen recently about AIDS and the vaccines and, and, uh, or HIV and the vaccines and, and all that and cancer and whatnot. Um, but man, it's those, those get so, so deep and, and sometimes they're rough. I mean, they're, they get kind of dark, you know, cause it's, they go down it's, that road. It's heavy stuff. So, um, the politics is, as, uh, as deep as that can be, sometimes it's almost a refresher. Well, I, I, again, he, uh, he again answered all the questions I figured he was going to answer. And yeah. I knew exactly where, uh, you know, I, I know he doesn't, he's not, that was, I was very specific. That's why I wanted to ask him about the tomfoolery going on. Yeah. You know, we have it going on here in Georgia. I know it's going on across other States and it might be going on in your state. Look around just like, like B Lynn said, go check out the people who you've never heard, heard of before. Yeah. Before Those are probably your grassroots candidates that are trying to, uh, stick this out to the end. There's a lot of people like we still go to Candace rallies and find people yeah. who had no idea who Candace is. Absolutely. And uh, we do our best to get her name out there. We try to talk to everybody, but uh, Dr. Sherwood, he is another perfect example of another candidate just like Candace. And if you live in Oklahoma, go to one of his rallies. Don't take our word for it. Don't take his word for it. Go to one of his rallies and go Check up and him talk out. to him. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the great thing about people, you know, I, I had the opportunity uh, two years ago, I brought our, uh, just before COVID, so maybe it was three years ago now, uh, we went up to a robotics competition. Uh, you couldn't make that one, but um, our governor, who's still our current governor, 
was there and he was giving a speech and you know whatnot and and afterwards no one really went up to talk to him you know because he's just not approachable people just don't see him as a man of the people right whereas Candace, I, when we were at the rally on, on Saturday, a guy came up to us after we had spoken and obviously he thought we were approachable and he came up and he, he asked us, he said, how well do you know Candace? Well, we know her pretty well. And he was like, well, you know, what do you think she would say on, on this? And he had a whole paper with some articles, of the constitution listed out and some, some ways that he thought that, you know, she could achieve some specific things using the law and, and Mick said, well, ask her. She's right here. Yeah. I mean, it would just happen to be, it was yeah. perfect. She, she, she was walking was right by. behind him. She's like, hold on, I, I like, go to the bathroom. I'll be right like, back. <laughs> hey, she's right here. Just ask her. I, I would love, I don't want to put, I don't want to put words in her mouth yeah. for her. She, she can speak just as well as I can. I, we went up and spoke. We weren't even supposed to speak at either event, but we were trying to, they were trying to find placeholders and hold time for things. So they let us get up there for about five minutes, both days. And, uh, yeah. it was, it, it's really weird to be at these things, but it's really rewarding at the end of the day too. And a lot of people don't realize that until you've been to one of these grassroots campaign rallies and you actually sit there and actually listen to what people are saying. Yes. Everybody's got a common story. And I tell you what, especially here in Georgia, I've noticed it every time we've gone, it, it's not all just white people. It's not all just black people. It's not no. all just brown people. It's everyone. It's everybody. Everyone shows up and they have the same story for their people. And that is not being reported in the news. And what you're seeing in the news is not what's really going on in your state. You have to take the blinders off. You have to actually care about where you live and you want to make a difference to the people around where you live to make this happen for everyone else and yourself. So we, you know, change we, starts at you. We encourage people all the time to get involved locally. We need to take our states and our, our, we need to start with our counties, our cities, our states, and then our country back, right? And we can only do that by getting involved at the local level. So I encourage you, at the very least, look up when the primary date is in your state. When is the primary date for governor? Okay. And then look up who is running for governor. And find that person whose name you've not heard before that's not talked about in the news that you've not seen in the polls and go look up their campaign because that's probably the person that you want to vote for. Absolutely. So do a little research. Getting involved locally, really, it, the first part of that is getting informed. Yeah. Because, first you learn about something that, A, you didn't know about before, and now you're making, now you might make a difference not only for yourself, but you may might make a huge difference for the rest of your state. Yeah. And, and if you, you get involved with that candidate, you know, if you look up that candidate and you decide you like what they have to say and you want to get involved with their campaign, you get involved with their campaign now before the primary. When they win that primary, let me tell you, they're going to have all kinds of money thrown at them, but you're going to be there from the beginning. And then when you have an issue in two years, you know, you, you need to get a last minute passport, for example, or something like that. You can actually call your governor or your congressperson or whomever it is and say, hey, I need help. or or what's better is you keep watching that individual, you follow that individual's career, and when they start to slip up, you hold you, them accountable. You pick them up, you pick up the phone and you yeah. say, hey, "Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you supporting this? This is not right. This is not right. This is not why we put you there. And this they is want not your why voice. This is not why we voted for you." They they want to hear that. They they want to hear that. And I think that's part of the problem with the people that are in office right now is they they are so unapproachable that they're not held to account by any of their voters because they don't have those voices in their ear saying, hey, like they don't have any any of their constituents picking up the phone going, you're fucking up. Stop. Yeah, they don't want yes men. 
I mean, that's normally Correct. what you're going to find with a real true grassroots campaign. You're not going to find anybody that wants a yes man. No. They don't want a yes man. They don't want to be there and have someone just yesing them to death. Because that's if not they're they truly want. there for the people, like you heard Dr. Sherwood say, it's not about me. It's about we. And we heard Candace say the same thing over yep. the weekend. It's not about me. It's not about what I believe in. It's about what we want. It's about what we believe in. So those candidates, those people that we put in office, they want you to call them out. They want your voice. They want your input because if they are really about we, then they need to hear from we Yep. or they're not going to be able to do their jobs effectively. So either way, uh, we appreciate you coming by. We've got more to come. Uh, yep. We'll be hard at work. As you heard, we're on, we'll be on four days a week now, 630 yeah. to 830. Five actually, because uh, Saturday as well. Well, I'm just going to get there. Mm, okay. Four news. <laughs> Four news. Four days of newscasts. Uh, it'll be 6.30, 8.30 uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we'll be on Twitch, DLive, Rumble. Clubhouse. And Clout, uh, oh, Cloud Hub. Clout Hub. Clout Hub. Yep. I can't even speak today. Uh, Cloud Hub included. And uh, we're trying to get on the Foxhole and a couple other places, uh, along with some Red Pill stuff in there. And on top of that, that leads us right into the next our next show or the next show that follows us, which will be Josh's uh, Daily Dose. So if you haven't heard the Daily Dose, please go check it out. Um, also, you know, continue to check out all those other podcasts that we mention all the time, Cannabis and Combat. Um, the Red Pill Project. Deplorable Janet. Yep. The Red Deplorable Pill Project. Nation. Or Deplorable Nation, we, sorry. We the People Radio. Yep. Um, all, all these, all these guys are they're, they're check great. them out. There's tons. Um, um, and last but not least, I I do want to call out this new app that I found. Uh, you know, Twitter Spaces have gotten really popular, um, but it's Twitter. Yeah, right. It's really Twitter it's, can still censor you. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty hardly censored. So there's a it's a, a smaller app, but it's called Clubhouse. And our friend uh, Rained Out Rancast turned me on to it. And it's kind of like Twitter spaces all the time. So um, they have they have club rooms and you get people in there talking about all all kinds of things. I mean, I found uh, pro-vax and anti-vax groups in there. Um, I actually went in the pro-vax one just to, to hear what was going on. And uh, that was pretty interesting. But I'm was on there. Was it like a bunch of anti-vaxxers that were like there there were some anti-vaxxers in there trolling, <laughs> trolling them yes there was some of that but uh but it it's a it's a great conversation um lots of great conversations in there so i i definitely encourage people to go look up the app clubhouse and um i am v lynn in there so i'm i'm in there a lot follow me friend me in there and and we can talk live there you go that's all i got so uh yeah, I'm not going to take it. Not going to take it. All right. Y'all have a good day. Like, share, subscribe. Yes. Par for the course. And we do it last minute. <laughs> uh, and uh, we will talk to you later.
sad thing. Your goal is never ending. We don't want nothing, nothing from you. Your life is right and jaded. Boring and confiscated. If that's your best, you best won't go.